right, let's do it. Hour two of FT Live on the Foul Territory YouTube channel. I was like, he better be smiling or at least, you know, maybe a little sleepy. Hopefully had an adult beverage or two covering a team that finally won a World Series. Evan Grant from the Dallas Morning News joining us right now. Evan, have at it, man. What do you have to say for yourself and what you just saw this year? Uh, it was pretty amazing, guys. It really was. Um, I think I've been covering baseball 30 plus years and to finally actually cover a team that went wire to wire and won a world championship was, uh, it was a fun ride. Um, this team, there were a lot of times that it was easy to, to think this team was done with the number of injuries that they had, the September that they went through and the road they were going to have to take in the playoffs. And, um, they just seemed to be up to every challenge. They really did. It, it, it's, it's just remarkable to me that a team went 11 and zero in the postseason. uh, I just can't. It, it, it's still hard to fathom. I watched every game, and it's still hard to fathom that, that a team could do that. Evan, so Scott has this narrative that, you know, writers and people that cover the team, they don't root for the team. Well, thank you for squashing that by saying, we finally we finally won the World Series. We I can't believe that I was a part of this. So thank you for squashing the narrative. I know you're a Rangers fan deep down. You want them to be good. So thank you, Evan. I, I didn't say we. I, I think I said I got the covered. I don't think I said I was a part of the team. But, you know, AJ, I'm always happy to fit into your narrative, whatever it may be. Uh, I will say this. Chris Young did kind of like hug me in the middle of the field last night. And um, I just felt like a big moppet there while he was while he was hugging me. I wasn't sure what to do. So did you boast open champagne? Did you pop a bottle and pour it on yourself? Nope. There were no, there was no bottle popping on my part. I did get a little, I did get doused a little bit, but um, I think more, more of my friends in the clubhouse, like uh, Emily Jones and and Jared Sandler from the radio network, uh, they got it a lot worse than I did. But hey, listen, it's it's fun to cover a World Series team. You know, I it's I work for the people out here who want to read about this team. I know that they're Ranger fans, um, and I know that they want to see this team win, and so. To see the joy walking around the street in Phoenix on the way back to the hotel, seeing the people that I saw in the stadium last night wearing Ranger Ranger uniforms. And listen, I, I, I want to give a special shout out because on the field after the game last night, ran into Kip Fagg, the scouting director, and Mike Grouse, who, who's the scout who signed Ian Kinsler, the scout who signed Travis Hafner, and they're the two longest employees in baseball operations with the Rangers. And those guys have been there over 30 years. They've been through it. They've been through the really hard times, and to see the pride and the joy and the level of contentment in uh, on their faces was really something special for me. Will you cover another World Series championship with this team? Do they have an opportunity, to, or will they go back again, or will the narrative of the September, ah, you know, they were able to – get back from that narrative, you know, it, it, things had to line up. I know they went 11 and 0 and on the road, but will you cover another world series championship in Texas? Hey, Eric, right. Winning championships is hard, right? That's what I tell people all the time. Um, I think this team is in position to contend for a very long time. I think Chris Young has made it clear. He didn't want to just win the first world championship in Texas. He wanted to win multiples. Um, they're, they don't have a lot of free agents coming off of this roster. Uh, they should hopefully get uh, a healthy Max Scherzer next year. By the end of the year, they should get a healthy Jacob deGrom. 
you take that into the playoffs, and if those guys' innings are pretty well managed, um, you're going to be in good, good shape. And that's not to mention Nathan Avaldi, who set a record for most wins by a starter in this playoff run. But everything does have to line up. You do have to avoid injuries. You do have to avoid some some bad stumbles. Ah, what I saw is I saw a nucleus of really good talent. Um, the free agents that they signed in Marcus Simeon and and Corey Seager, they are they are rock solid. The young players that they have coming through, Josh Young, Evan Carter, Jonah Heim, those guys are pretty talented. Um, if the Rangers start to develop a little bit of pitching through their from their own farm system, and that's been the one place they have lacked, I think this this organization is going to have the ability to both develop and grow their own talent. And I think they showed this year that they've, they've got the, the the money to spend on free agents if they need to finish something out. I think the one thing they're going to have to do this offseason to really address is they probably do need to bolster the bullpen a little bit. Uh, I do think Jose LeClerc and, and Josh Spores did absolutely – incredible work during the during the postseason but those were two guys that over the course of the regular season you didn't know exactly what you were getting from from week to week so evan i feel like about half the ownership groups care first about winning and then making money second and half it's probably about flipped i feel like more than ever there are you know people in our game that are rooting really hard for certain situations they don't want the mets padres Rangers, teams like that to succeed for what they do. And, you know, it makes their ball club look cheap because they don't get to profit as much if they have to spend on players. And that turns into winning. I'm curious what this will do to the sport in your mind. If anything, will it change anything in the sport? Because it was a fun narrative for many teams to be able to be like, well, most free agents don't really work out and don't lead to anything. Okay, Max Scherzer. And you just didn't have a lot of great examples. And there were many examples of like the Cano, Pujols type signings that really didn't lead to much and cost teams a ton of money. Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon flat out worked out for this team. And yes, there are a number of other signings. Some worked out, some didn't. But just looking at those two and how they bought a middle infield, that gives them as much stability as it does. And players that are in the prime of their career leading to a World Series contender. How do you think that is received within the rest of the industry? Well, I do think, and I'd be interested to hear what Eric and AJ have to say on this, but I do think that the last CBA did put a little bit more incentive on teams to try and compete. Um, and, and did incentivize winning more than it had been. So I don't know if the Rangers in specific will be the ones that drive the industry, but I do think the industry is cycling back towards, hey, let's let's try to win here. Um, I think there's incentive right now for Seattle to try and push forward. Uh, certainly Houston doesn't want to fall behind the Rangers if we're just talking about teams in the division. Um, I don't think the Mets are going to, the Mets may rebuild over one year, but I don't think it's going to be a long-term time where they go without spending. Uh, I do think there's incentive to spend. And, and and I do think that, quite frankly, it has been cycling more towards teams that are trying to win and fewer teams that are that are simply pleading poor. There are teams that, have, that do have to make do with a little bit lesser payroll. And if you can be successful that way, hey, great. Um, Tampa Bay is a great example. Um, but the, the Rays may need to add some pricier pieces to get over that hump and, and, and go to the World Series again. They're an example of, like you said, of success, but not a World Series yet. Like you, you may need that extra priciness. Speaking of prices, 
Who do you see getting locked up first? Adolis, Carter, or Heim? Are to me the, the top three that are on there. Young. What we about Young? Three. Yeah, we should throw Young into that too, I think. I mean, I, I, I Okay, yeah, that's fair. My my guess right now would probably be Heim. Um he's the he and Adolis are both arbitration eligible this this right. winter. That's what um, I was thinking about. And I think that Joan is probably going to be the most, I don't want to say club friendly. I just think it's going to be the most realistic one that they can do. Um, Josh Young is a Boris client, so that's not going to probably take place anytime soon. Uh, Evan Carter, they may want to give a full year of experience to before they see exactly where they go. And Adolis, I think, you know, he's going to be coming off that oblique injury. That's not a long-term injury. Uh, but I, I, I do wonder if they'll just let that one, especially with Wyatt Langford potentially sitting there in the wings, I wonder if they'll let that play out a little bit. Evan, I want to take you back to what you said about the scouts that have been part of the team for a long time. And I love that. Um, I'm also thinking about the top of the front office. So Chris Young takes over, but it hasn't been very long. And I know he shouted out John Daniels, which I think was cool. So two-part question here. One, how do you think John Daniels feels like when you've been running an org for a long time and you built a lot, but then you didn't get to see the job finished as the head honcho? Do you think there is, uh, is it bittersweet? Do you think knowing him and his personality and covering him for a while that he is genuinely happy and can take at least some of the credit here and take it as a win? And then I'll ask you the other part. I think, listen, I think John is happy for a lot of the people that are still in the front office are people he brought in, including Chris Young. Uh, and I think John is extremely happy for that group. And I think he's extremely happy for this group of players, many of whom he oversaw the acquisition of. Uh, I do think there's certainly that level of melancholy that, listen, you would like to have been a part of this. You would like to have um, checked that box off. And I, I do think that this is a guy who understands also that this is a business. He had 17 years running that front office. Um, I think he feels like he got a fair shot. I think he feels like they came close and they just didn't get it done. And right now it's more important for him to be happy for the people there. I, listen, I Josh Boyd is one of the guys that, that, that he hired when he first came in. He's now an assistant GM. He oversaw pro scouting. The, the guy was on the field in tears last night. I mean, wiping away tears of joy. And it, it's those are the kind of stories. Knowing who JD is, I don't think he can be anything but overjoyed for those people in any kind of um, any kind of individual feelings. I think he's he he's able to suppress at this point. Okay, so the second one is hypothetical and interesting, and I feel like you'd be the one to have some insight here. And there's no right answer, but. Do you think the Rangers win the World Series if Chris Young is not leading the front office in the way that he did? How much did you see change? Obviously, there were plenty of transactions since. You know, sometimes a team wins and you're like, oh, the last, you know, management did basically everything during a rebuild and this person takes over. No, they they did a lot. This roster, even in a year, has had a ton of turnover. And then I'm just curious in terms of philosophy, what Chris Young brought to the table um, in the front office that maybe they weren't doing. That even John Daniels said they feel like they felt a little behind the curve in some ways. And I think, Scott, really, I do think that they had started to catch up on a lot of that stuff. And in particular, 
where they drafted. Um, and oh, in 1920 and, and going forward, I think their drafts have been a lot better. They produced Young. They produced Carter. They produced Wyatt Langford. And I think they changed a little bit of their approach on the draft. I think that when you talk about what Chris Young brings to the table, it's a real unique skill set because you are talking about the best of the analytics era guys, right? You're talking about an Ivy League educated guy, but you're also talking about a guy who spent 10 years, well, 12 years in the major leagues as a pitcher. Um, So he's got both ends of the spectrum. And for what they needed to do and selling the pitchers that they needed to sell on coming here and buying into the vision, I think Chris was the right guy at the right time to kind of finish off some of those deals. I do think it was also made a little bit easier to sell guys on coming to Texas and pitching when you've got a retractable roof and it's 72 degrees inside all the time. You weren't going to sell Jacob DeGrom on that two years ago if you didn't have that stadium. Uh, so I think that was a that was a big part of it, and that that functioned well uh, for Chris as, as well. I go back to this. I think John and Chris made a really good team. I think Chris is really strong as a as a um, as a visionary, and I think he's put that to use. And I think that this team is is positioned to go forward in a very dynamic way. But you're at the outset of your contention window, and and Chris's Chris's goal is we want to keep this open long term everybody's goal is that we want to keep this open long-term. It becomes a challenge as you get, as Eric just went through, we went through the the young guys that are going to be potential extension candidates, go through all the guys that they've got coming up through arbitration. Um, and you go through the number of, of contracts they've got. It becomes more of a challenge to, to balance all that, but they are in a great position right now. And, and I think that there's a lot of baseball that's looking at them looking at that stadium, looking at the talent that they've got there, looking at what their farm system uh, has produced, and is saying this team does have the ability to be the next kind of, of dynasty coming out of the American League. My thing is the division is, I would say, underrated. Because I actually think the AL West was the best division in baseball this year. And there are arguments to be made for, what, NL East, NL West, AL East, which did not show up in the playoffs this year. I'm almost looking, say, at the end of the season when the Rangers didn't play well against the Mariners. And I'm like, yeah, the Mariners can pitch. I mean, they just throw talented arms with stuff at you over and over. And yeah, they didn't build their offense well enough. And they didn't go for it like the Rangers. And they were punished for that. But between them and what Houston did, obviously the Angels are more of a a mid-level team. But at least you're still going up against the best player in baseball. It's not a pushover per se. I just thought the AL West was dominant. Do you feel like you can say confidently that was the best division in baseball without obviously some bias to seeing them more than others? Well, I did see him more than others, but I also thought that, yes, the AOS was underrated, and you did have the defending world champions, and you did have two playoff teams because Seattle made the postseason last year. The Mariners the Mariners' rotation might be the best in the American League. It's really good. I, you know, Travis Jankowski, I, I kept trying to get guys to give me some kind, of in, some kind of insight into what set this team off on such a good road run uh, going into the playoffs. And, and Travis brought up that, the four pitchers they faced in Seattle at the end of the year may have dominated them, but they also set them up well to like say, if we face these four guys, we're not going to face four guys any tougher than than the group we faced in Seattle. Um, so yeah, Seattle's Seattle's positioned well too. I, I do think you know you mentioned one thing a second ago about 
the Rangers going for it. And that's another element I think that, that needs to be brought up on Chris Young and having had been in a position as a player to have won with Kansas city. And I think he understood just how precious the idea of winning and and fully capitalizing on where you were in the course of a season was they did that with Scherzer and Montgomery. Look what a, what a boon Jordan Montgomery turned out to be for this club. So, um, it's a great, it's, it's a very strong division. I think it's going to continue to be a strong division. Uh, certainly the A's are doing nothing but piling up top draft picks. And, you know, they seem to cycle through where every six, six years or so they end up with a really talented group. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, 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 a very strong division um, potentially for, for years to come. I, I don't know if that's going to sit well with all my East Coast friends, but I think it is a very strong division. Have you seen the ball? Have you seen the final out ball? Uh, Eric, I, so I, I saw it. I haven't seen it in person other than on the field. I think Jonah dropped it right after, after the, the call third strike, then he went back and retrieved it. It was a weird kind of like final out. I, I don't know that Josh Spores thought that he had actually executed the pitch and got it in the strike zone. And he kind of like started to walk back and then he got the call and, and all that set everything off. And I did see the ball kind of pop out there, and I think they went back and retrieved it. But I have not seen the final out ball uh, with my own eyes in the clubhouse. And quite frankly, with as much champagne as was being sprayed down there, I'm not sure that anybody was seeing anything very clearly. (laughs) Hey, what's the wildest story from an individual player this year that made an impact for this team to win a World Series? I'll bring up two candidates. I mean, you can fill in the blanks if you want on them. But Sabors to me, stands out for the wild ride that he had. It's not like we were looking at this dude like, oh, here's a stud high leverage reliever when we were entering the season. And then the other one of my favorite tweets from last night was I think it was Tim Healy who said, who would have thought that of the former Mets, not DeGrom, not Scherzer, but Travis Jankowski makes the biggest impact in the World Series for this team. And they're both great stories. And I, they kept they kept Josh Spores on this roster all winter after a poor season last year, basically because of metrics, because his curveball played up so high on all their data, because his fastball, when he commanded it, played up so high. He had an awful spring training, and I didn't think he was going to make the roster. Then he had a good, a good start to the season, got hurt, came back, struggled. I thought in September he gave up, I think it was five runs and two-thirds of an inning to Houston, and it was the end of an, a, a horrible stretch. And I thought there's no way this guy pitches in a leverage situation again for this team. Uh, and what does he do? He rolls off a 0.75 ERA in the postseason, uh, 3.40 OPS. It, and it is just a, a an example of you know how unpredictable bullpens are. Spores and Leclerc had their ups and downs all all during the season, they were rock solid in the postseason for this club. As for Jankowski, uh, listen, I, I think anybody who's been around Travis thinks he's a really endearing player, um, a really good guy to be around, good personality, a good clubhouse guy. The question has always been, you know, could he hit? I think Donnie Ecker really liked Donnie Ecker, the hitting coach and or bench bench coach and offensive coordinator, really liked the possibilities of what Jankowski could do from the left hand side. I think they spent a lot of time with spring tra- in spring training with him, even though he didn't get results. And listen, this was a guy who still wasn't going to make the roster until it became clear that Leody Tavares. Here, here's right. This is a great. This is a great 
beginning and ending story. The season began with Leody Tavares on the IL because of an oblique, and that's why Jankowski made the roster. It ended with Adolis Garcia unavailable because of an oblique, and that's why Jankowski was playing right field in the last two games of the World Series. So um, he, he's been a great story. I, I think there's so many guys on this team that won for the first time, guys who have been around. Look, even Brad Miller didn't play in, in the last few months of the season, and this was a guy last night so thankful to be around this club and to be involved in, in, in what they were doing. And I have to mention Robbie Grossman as well. This is a guy who's played in the big leagues for 10 years. He's been with a lot of teams that haven't won. Uh, he cherished this. And, and, and there were there were a lot of guys. And I think this is part of of why the Rangers were as good as they were down the stretch or in the postseason. There are a lot of guys here who really cherish the opportunity to win. Evan, uh, Armand in the chat wanted to know, and I want to know also, is – is re-signing Montgomery the number one priority? Do you think the Rangers make that a big priority for him? I my guess, AJ, at this point, with if you've got Degrom and you've got Scherzer, you've got two guys basically making sixty million dollars between the two of them. I think Jordan Montgomery has pushed his pipe his price point per year well above twenty million with the run he had in in August and September and the postseason. I do think that this club's biggest need is a really reliable closer. I don't know if they if they're now convinced that, that by picking up Leclerc's option, that's the way they want to go. But I think the first thing that they will look at is how can we really fortify this bullpen. I think that's their first priority this offseason. So and, can we say hater? Hater? Ooh. Hater to the Rangers? Evan Grant just broke. Yeah, I just broke. Wrote that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I, let's let's throw this out there. They like to make deals with the Mets. If if Edwin Diaz is healthy, why not why not go get Edwin Diaz? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, hey, let's finish with this because it, it's fresh. I think it just came out in the last like within the hour, maybe even while we were on. I'm seeing people say that on uh, FT host Adam Jones's Adam Jones pod, he has Nelson Cruz on who said that he's retiring. So you could kind of see that coming in this last like year and a half or so. Obviously, he was able to perform at a high level for a while. So wanted to get your take on Nelson Cruz as the player. If you think he's going to be, I don't know, a manager, a part of baseball, like the, you know, Pujols is now like one of the league guys. or And also what you think his reputation is like outside of Texas, because obviously he's beloved there, but he did have, you know, he, he was caught using steroids. And he, there was that one play in 2011 that didn't get made. Um, I, listen, I think that talking to Adrian Beltre last night, talking to Michael Young, talking to Ian Kinsler, all members of the 2011 team, I think they all felt like this win last night took some burden off that 2011 team uh, that didn't get it done. And I think a lot was was placed unfairly on Cruz in, in, in that situation because he was the guy that didn't make that catch. And so, you know, maybe it is appropriate that the Rangers close this chapter, win the World Series, and Nelson officially says he's going to hang it up. I think he will be involved in baseball. Um, he certainly – there's – I don't know if I should even say this, but there's certain people that are involved as the face of baseball who have had some um, – what should we say? Some PED <laughs> situations in the past. And um, certainly Nelson has done a good job of rehabilitating his image. He's been involved with the Dominican team in the WBC. Uh, and I think that 
I think everywhere he's gone, people have thought this is this is a genuinely good human who you know got involved in some stuff that he he shouldn't have gotten involved in. But he he has a lot to offer, and he was a he was a good teammate here. His teammates liked him. Um, he was he was good for the young Latin players, and I think that I think there will be a place for Nelson Cruz in baseball. By the way, I think you can say that because it's not speculation; like it's actually stuff that's been proven. If you know what I'm saying, where there's other guys that still fight that they didn't do it. <laughs> I, I, I listen. I I don't want to say anything about anybody. You know, I'm I I don't like to stir up controversy except with AJ. I didn't do steroids, Evan. I'm just saying. <laughs> Breaking news. If you didn't know. I thought you guys know. would want to talk about all the hot dogs that these guys decided that they were going to eat on the road over the final month of the season. They they got very involved in eating hot dogs for some reason. Um, the Rangers did? The Rangers did, yeah. Mitch Garber told me in Toronto when they were in the throes of despair, uh, guys started eating a bunch of hot dogs off of the roller in the clubhouse there, oh. and uh, oh. it kind of became a tradition on the road over the rest of the of the regular and postseason to the point where they ordered fifty hot dogs on Sunday night to uh, Chase Field from Five Guys and all chowed down right after their workout. How oh. how, weird, how how like nine? I thought it was Creed. I thought it's it was Creed, Creed and hot dogs, AJ. Creed and hot so dogs. I asked Josh Schwartz about this after Monday night's game, and I said, "What is it? What is the deal with you guys? Creed and hot dogs?" And he said, "Yeah, we're we're a strange group. It works. Very, they're not Gen Z. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Definitely I'm, I'm, listen, not. Evan, I know that. The, by the way, I know that the Diamondbacks put out people to block them from the pool. But if I'm the Rangers, I'm like, listen, bro, arrest me. I'm going in that bitch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know. Uh, I just so you know, I did bring this up, and I I said to Michael Young, who was a member of the the Dodgers in '13, right? That was his last year. Yep. That was the group that went and dove in the pool first time, and I think that uh, uh, they set that standard. And I think that the Diamondbacks very much do not want that to happen again. And I think that the 2013 Dodgers are very proud that they took they took such measures that the Diamondbacks had to put security out there to keep the Rangers from from jumping in the pool. I think everybody was just happy last night to drink their champagne, to toast themselves, and to, to, to go on with a job well done. They went back to the hotel. They partied there. Um, I don't know if there was a pool there that they could jump in, but um, I think they had their fun. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That's a good point, though, AJ, because we've yeah. talked about it. I mean, Paul Seawald's on the show all the time, and he said, I mean, he's not in charge, obviously, but he's a player. He's like, hey, if they win, they can jump in our pool. Like, that's their right. But – He's on charge. Not, no, no, they, they they were having none of it. I mean, it was it, it was the strongest show of security I've seen in a ballpark since like the horseback cops in Yankee Stadium after the World Series. And wow! Someone, one of the players needed to like sneak through the bullpen, like sneak around through the stands and like cannonball off the top rope or something. But where, where Evan, where are they going to do the parade? Are they going to do it in Arlington? Are they going to do it it's, in it's Dallas? It's going to be in Arlington tomorrow because it's yeah, kind of a weird. It. It's kind of a weird setup because you have Dallas and Fort Worth, right? And then you have Arlington in the middle. So you can't go from like Dallas to Fort Worth and in Arlington. It would take you two days to do that. So it's kind of a weird setup. I want to see how they do it. They're going to do it basically from Six Flags, I think, around all the stadiums. That's basically what the, the downtown of Arlington looks like is a bunch of stadiums. So they'll twirl around all the stadiums down there. And then I do think before it's all over with, and, and look, I, I think most of the guys are going to get out of here who don't live here uh, this weekend, but I think there will be 
some degree of a celebration with a smaller group that's still around in Dallas and probably in Fort Worth. But listen, that's a challenge that this club always had was what would you do if you if you won? How would you celebrate? How would you involve everybody? It's a problem that they are happy to try and solve right now. All right. So last thing, uh, is there going to be, because when we won in 05, we had Steve Perry show up, the Journey singer, and we sang Don't Stop Believing." Are they going to have Creed show up, Scott Stapp, and they're going to sing higher? I, you know, they had Scott Stapp and, and Creed there for game three or four of the LCS. I don't know if they're coming back in. Look, all I know about that, AJ, is that the Rangers bring Creed back to the public senses, uh, the public sense of domain. And the next thing you hear is Creed starting a uh, 2024 North American tour. So who knows? Maybe they, they will get them in there. Um, it, it uh, it'll be interesting, but I, I, I think that uh, I think they've done enough for at this point in time <laughs> to bring Scott, uh, Creed back to the public consciousness. Yeah. And also I'll, I'll finish with this. Where's the all-star game next year? All-Star game is in Arlington. Oh, it's baby. Cool. It's, it's a good, renaissance yeah. period right now in, in Dallas area, Dallas-Fort Worth area for baseball. Man, they're getting it all right now. That's really cool. It's going to be it, – it, yeah, and listen, I I think people haven't been to an All-Star game in a while. They don't know quite what they're missing. It's become such a big, big spectacle and such a big celebration of the game, and I think the Rangers are going to hit a home run here because – of what they've done this year and brought interest back to, to the sport here in, in the Metroplex. We'll be there. We'll be there out there for the uh, Midsummer Classic. Evan, great to see you, dude. Get some Have food for me, Evan. Have, Have food what? for me, you cheap skate. <laughs> Not hot dogs I bought either. you a giant beef rib the last time. You did. It was like bigger than Scott's head. It was like this big. I will, br- I will bring you more food. I will bring you a barbecue platter when you get here. Okay. His head's bigger. Well, but your hair is higher. Yeah, Bochi's an eighth, an eight and one eighth. The Hall of Fame took his hat last night. It's an eight and one eighth. They took his hat and all the other stuff, and they put all the other stuff in his hat to take it to the Hall of Fame. (laughs) They they did take, you know, one of the artifacts that they took was they took Will Smith's luggage tag because, as we mentioned, three different Hall, three different World Series teams in three different years, and and so they thought the appropriate artifact from Will Smith would be his luggage tag. That's true, and also we talked about him earlier. That actually should be their top off-season priority. If you want to win a World Series, it starts with Will Smith. Whatever the hell he does, we'll get him. We're gonna get him on soon. So, Evan, really appreciate it, man. Um, enjoy the ride there, covering the last few days of the celebrating and everything else. And we'll uh, talk again, I'm sure, in the off-season when they sign, you know, Otani and everybody else. Peace, guys. Take care. Later. Cheers, Evan Grant, Dallas Morning News. We'll post his Twitter. Great follow obviously, and and some of those clips too, if you want to watch them back.